This is the Larry Hardesty Show on 98.7 ESPN. The Larry Hardesty Show on 98.7 ESPN. Hour number two of a Sunday edition of the show. Thanks for stopping by at 1-800-919-3776. Also via Twitter at Hardesty ESPN at ESPNNY98 underscore 7FM. For those of you on the lines, I want you to hang tight for me. Let me bring in my friend, colleague, uh, does an outstanding job covering sports, especially the NBA and the New York Knicks for the Amsterdam News. He is Jamie Harris, friend of the show. Hey, Jamie, how are you this Sunday? I'm great, Larry. Got great weather outside, a beautiful day. And just uh, listening to uh, all the Nick analysis, the fans have some uh, interesting takes on what needs to be done going into game four. Jamie, what did you see from game three? You know, Larry, I'm going to give you one name. And I know listeners are going to say, well, why is he mentioning this player? Haywood Highsmith from Wheeling Jesuit, a Division II school. The reason I'm mentioning Haywood Highsmith, Larry, he's averaging 12 minutes, roughly 12 minutes per game in this series. That's almost a quarter. And I think it's critical to look at that because in the last series, the Knicks bench had a distinct and clear advantage over Cleveland's bench. Cleveland essentially was playing with five guys. They brought in uh, Osman and Okoro off the bench, who really didn't give them much. The Miami Heat, Larry, are going 10 deep. And it's taking away one of the Knicks' strengths that they had all season. We talked about how great the Knicks' bench was all season, how pretty much the Knicks' bench had an advantage over most teams they played. Well, in this series, Larry, we can say, heading into game four, Miami has had the advantage, right? Their bench. Their bench has clearly outplayed the Knicks bench. And I think that, you know, using Hayward Highsmith as an example, he allows Eric Spolstra not to tax the starters. He allows Eric Spolstra to continue to throw bodies in there to play the intense physical defensive style that has flummoxed the Knicks in this series, which coming into the Cleveland series, that team had the fourth highest defensive rating in the league, and in some measures the highest, yet they didn't bring the same level of physicality. They didn't bring the same depth. Basketball is matchups. And what we're seeing in this series, the Knicks are having a very problematic, you know, stretch. Three games matching up with the Heat. They are, Jamie. And the other part of this scenario is, and that's a great point about what Miami does in their depth, and the other part of it is, since the Nick bench is not producing, it forces Tibbs to pull them even earlier than he may want to pull them. Absolutely. And we saw game two. Miami played without Jimmy Butler. And, and let me say this, Larry. You know, I've been from day one, I'm, I'm a big, been a big Tibbs guy. I am a big Tibbs guy. I think Tibbs is a tremendous coach. But Eric Spolstra is one of the great coaches in the history of this game, by any measure. If we want to look at playoff wins, regular season wins, championships, but we also have to look at what he does with the personnel that he's given by Pat Riley. Pat Riley has supposed to be coaching a team that is comprised in large part of undrafted free agents. But yet, Spolster is maximizing their abilities. He's maximizing their skills. 
He has gotten these players to buy in and understand what their roles are. Someone in the series, Larry, that has had a major impact has been Zeller. Because, again, the Knicks are more physical than almost every team in the league. They have won games this year because of their physicality and intensity. The Heat not only matched that physicality and intensity, but they've been exceeding it in the series. And we saw yesterday when Zeller throws Randall into the stanchion and a little scrum ensues, Miami, they're the bullies. The Knicks are used to being the bullies. Miami has become the bully. So they're taking away and have taken away all the Knicks' advantages that we saw during a regular season. Playoff basketball is much different than regular season basketball, Larry. You alluded to the Knicks winning the regular season series. Throw that out. We're looking now at a team, even without a 20-point scorer and a dynamic scorer, and Tyler Hero sitting on the bench with a hand injury, we see this Heat team now just reinvent themselves, and they're able to win on the defensive end, on the perimeter, Larry, getting open shots, moving the ball from side to side, making the Knicks defense rotate. And right now, the Knicks just don't seemingly have any answers how to play the team. Not that Thibodeau doesn't have the answers. They're not able to execute it. And so uh, while the Knicks are not panicked, uh, you know, they have game flow. All they need to do is get the split. Tomorrow is clearly a must-win game for them. It's their game seven, Jamie. <laughs> it's their game seven, very simply. Yeah, yeah, it is their game seven. And I said this series would go seven, and I picked the Knicks to win. But tomorrow is indeed their game seven, Larry. Jamie, um, we, we've been talking so much about playoff Jimmy, right? And, and he just takes his game up to the next level. Jamie, are we still trying to find out if there's a playoff Julius? And I'm not trying to just single him out, but what I am saying is this. When when you have your top three guys are Brunson, Randall, and R.J. Barrett, and your top – and I'm using this in this order because of, of the defensive moves that Spolstra made to take the ball out of Brunson's hands and take the lane away from him because what he does in the paint with his great footwork and everything. When, when the defense is taking your number one guy away, where's your number two? Where's your number three guy? And we, we go back at Randall thinking about what happened in the Atlanta series a couple of years ago and now looking at this series, uh, albeit we know injuries and everything, everybody's injured, everybody's hurt, we get it. Are we starting to be concerned that it does is there a playoff, Julius? Well, I think, Larry, you know, if we, you know, if you're going to be objective and fair, I mean, there is enough evidence, uh, you know, to be concerned. Uh, and I think Julius would, would tell you he's the first one. He's not making any excuses. Uh, he hasn't played well. Uh, he's averaging, you know, 15 points in the series. Um, he hasn't really put his imprint uh, on the series in three games. And they needed him. Uh, you know, they needed his scoring uh, in, in the game that he, you know, missed, obviously, uh, with the ankle injury. Um, but he, he hasn't, you know, been effective. And you don't necessarily, or he doesn't necessarily have to uh, match his regular season average of 25 points a game to be effective. He just has to get baskets and get timely baskets and be able to open up the offense uh, for the other players. We know Julius is someone who can step out uh, during the regular season. We've seen him step out and hit the three. We've seen Julius be able to isolate his player, spread the floor, uh, and Julius, again, as we talked about during the season, Larry, 
he became a better decision maker, uh, a better playmaker uh, as a result of not having to have the ball as much uh, with Brunson uh, being the primary ball handler this year. But he hasn't played well. Um, and, and clearly, uh, the Knicks are not going to beat the Heat uh, in this series. They're not going to beat the Heat four games uh, if Randall doesn't play better because there's really no one else uh, other than Brunson right now uh, that has been able to. And it's been you know, somewhat of a struggle for him as well uh, because Miami's making it extremely tough. Uh, Miami, you know, I talked to an assistant coach uh, for the Cavaliers uh, during the series, early in the series, and he said, listen, man, <laughs> the bottom line is our focus is stopping Brunson, right? You know, Brunson is on, you walk into the locker room, he's on everyone's board as, you know, data point number one. We have to stop Brunson. Miami has decided, and this is where you can see Miami employing analytics and how they're strategically and schematically playing the Knicks. They are saying to the Knicks, we are not going to let Brunson get his feet in the paint, create, be able to score, and create offense for others in the paint. We are going to swarm him in the paint. We are going to force this team to make three-point shots. <laughs> Analytically, statistically, the Knicks are not a good three-point shooting team. They were 24th in the league this year. They shot 35%, which is under the league average. And so Miami is going to, is going to make the Knicks beat them, right, from three. And thus far, we've seen that the Knicks, in game two, they shot. What, in game two, that was an outlier. The Knicks, mm-hmm. uh, you know, they, again, are not a good three-point shooting team. That's an outlier. Miami knows that. So they're not going to change schematically what they're doing. They're going to force the Knicks to hit perimeter shots. They're not going to let them beat them in the paint. Jamie, this guy pushed the basketball, and I don't know how they do that. But they've got to push the ball and get the ball up the floor before Miami's defense sets up. And that would open up some things, you know, because right now with what they're taking away, they're taking away the heart and soul of their offense. <laughs> Larry, you just took away my – that was my next comment. The Knicks have to get more early offense, whether it's through the primary break. Uh, yesterday they ran a few sideline breaks, Josh Hart. Uh, he's probably the best on the team at getting the ball off the glass, pushing up the sidelines. Uh, we saw quickly hit a couple of corner threes. That was a result of the Knicks pushing the ball up on that sideline break. We saw the Knicks get some threes out of their secondary break or three-point attempts out of their secondary break. They're going to have to do that, Larry. They cannot let Miami continually get their defense set. Once Miami gets their defense set, they're very difficult to score on. Uh, again, they are, they are making sure that the Knicks are not getting into the paint. Uh, they are actually uh, making the Knicks, if you watch their offense, for the most part, play on one side of the floor. So mm. if they start on the left side, the ball usually ends on the left side. The Knicks are not swinging the ball from side to side, making the defense rotate because Miami's defense is getting set, they're entrenched, and so you are absolutely right. The Knicks need to increase the pace. Larry, the Knicks are, uh, are, are you know, always amongst the you know, lowest teams in the league in, in pace. But in the postseason, Larry, they're taking four less field goals than they did in the regular season. During the regular season, they attempted 89 per game. Uh, the postseason, they attempted 85. The Knicks need to get their attempts over 90, you know, and they need to get quicker early offense because trying to beat Miami with their half-court offense, it's, it's just extremely problematic. It's very difficult, and it's a losing proposition. Two more for you, Jamie. Uh, what does Tibbs do if Quickly's not available tomorrow night? Does he move Grimes into the rotation and put Hart on the bench? Does he keep Hart in the rotation at the starter because he thinks that's the best guy he has to be able to defend uh, Jimmy Butler? Uh, what does he do? 
that's the ladder. You know, you have to keep Hart the starting ladder. Josh Hart is a starter. When Josh Hart was traded to the Knicks, he had played 51 games at Portland. He started all 51. He's a starter. And theoretically, Larry, he's their third best player. I know you mentioned R.J. Barrett. And I say Josh Hart because you, you, what we've seen from R.J. And, and, and listen, R.J. has played much better. He's opened up the playoffs struggling the first two games against Cleveland. Uh, you know, he's played much better. Didn't have a good game yesterday. But what we saw, Larry, in game two, I think, is part of the issue with R.J. Barrett. R.J. Barrett has been terrible defensively. Uh, Gabe Vincent, when he's checking Gabe Vincent, Gabe Vincent is getting wherever he wants to. He's getting by R.J. easily. He's getting into the paint. And sometimes the Knicks try to hide R.J. defensively. Uh, in this series, you can't hide him defensively because Struz can shoot it. Duncan Robinson can shoot it. You know, Butler will punish him because of his size. Uh, Vincent is getting by him. And we saw that they had to put R.J. on the bench Tib at the end of game two when he played Ryan. In game, he was asked that because of defensive matchups. And so I, I think you're going to have to leave uh, hard in the starting lineup. You don't want the Heat to get off to the fast start uh, that they did yesterday. Uh, so you need hard in the game. And, and, and Larry, listen, their best three-point shooter is anchored to the bench, and that's Evan Fournier. And, you know, he's not going to be part of the rotation. But when you look at R.J. defensively, you know, you just might – you know, have to roll the dice up your tibs and get Fournier in, you know, and see if he can maybe open up the offense a little bit and hit some of those open threes that Miami's given the Knicks because they are giving them uncontested threes. Uh, because right now, um, right now, Larry, with, with, with if quickly can't go, and quickly hadn't played well uh, up until yesterday, uh, if quickly can't go, then you really are, uh, the Knicks are going to have a lot of issues trying to find points. Boy, I tell you, if, if I'm R.J. Barrett and I see Evan Fournier playing ahead of me, that tells me a lot about what I got to do my footwork on defense in the offseason. <laughs> well, I'm not even talking about playing him ahead of him, but just trying to give him some minutes. Again, Spolster's going 10 deep. He's finding mm-hmm. minutes for, 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 for guys like, you know, Haywood. Um, remember, Duncan Robinson, for, for, for a period of time, you know, he was out of the rotation last year, if you remember, in the postseason. You know, Duncan Robinson, really, they couldn't play him because of matchups. Mm-hmm. Now – because he can play against the Knicks because of matchup, Duncan Robinson has been giving Spolster some very good minutes. So, again, Spolster is going 10 deep and getting production from pretty much everyone he's putting in. The Knicks haven't gotten the same production. Obviously, you know, Grimes is a shoulder injury. He and quickly haven't played anywhere near uh, the level they played in the regular season. And so, you, you know, you don't want to panic and you don't want to deviate uh, from what you've done all season. But sometimes, you know, desperate times fall for desperate measures. And you may have to give Fournier a few minutes because, Larry, we saw this three-point shooting. We know what the Knicks are in terms of a three-point shooting team. Miami, once again, is telling the Knicks, if you're going to beat us, we're going to make you beat us from three. You're not going to beat us in the paint. But they're going to have to find a way to do that. Last thing, Jamie. Ultimately, when we look back, and no matter what happens, no matter whether the Knicks win in advance or they lose, uh, this series, does this really – tell the Nick front office and the coaching staff that they're being, they're really being penalized for this ISO ball that they really play where the ball is in Brunson's hands a lot. The ball is in Randall's hands a lot. And they really, they really don't move the ball like a lot of other teams that move the ball. Absolutely. Uh, and you, you and we've heard Tibbs all season, Larry, you know, emphasize ball movement, playing movement. I mean, he, you know, he just, 
he continues to underscore that. But the Knicks' top three offensive players in theory are ISO guys, RJ, Brunson, and Randall. And so the Knicks are going to certainly have to look at that, uh, get some shooters, uh, I think, in the offseason. And I think more importantly, the Knicks need a long, and we talked about this leading into the trade deadline, I think Hart was a great pickup. He might have been the best trade uh, deadline pickup in the NBA this season. The Knicks still need a long 3-and-D guy, athletic wing, uh, that can put it on the floor, that can shoot it, and that can defend. That's what this team is missing. And I think that that would be priority number one going into the offseason. Uh, but right now, let's not write them off. Again, Larry, there's still you know, a series to be played. Uh, if they get the split, uh, they're still you know, in a good space. But uh, tomorrow, indeed, is their game seven. So it's, it's, it's the first must-win uh, that this team has faced. Great job, as always, Jamie. We'll be reading you in the Amsterdam News, and we'll talk soon, my friend. Yes, sir. Keep up the great work, Larry. Thank you, sir. That's Jamie Harris of the Amsterdam News. 1-800-919-3776. We'll get your thoughts on what Jamie had to say next on 98.7 ESPN. This is the Larry Hardesty Show on 98.7 ESPN. The thing is, it's it's all around, you know, so like this team was averaging 125. They, you know, so I don't know, 105. But offensively, we need energy, too. And that was the bigger concern. And then we got to trust the pass. So when we trust the pass, we'll, we'll create good shots. And, you know, we got bogged down. The offense was hard. And they, they and give credit to them. They played great defense. Tom Thibodeau on trying to get a spark. It's been a Nick team, ladies and gentlemen, that has lived and died by ISO ball. Let's face it. And, and my good friend Bill Lederman texted me during the show. And said, hey, you know what? Brunson dribbles a lot and Randall dribbles a lot and people just stand. And so what has happened is uh, Miami has said, here's what Brunson does. He goes in the paint and he's very good. You commit to him, he passes, does a great job. He can create for himself. That's what makes him so good, right? That's what you loved about him. But ultimately, and I mentioned it earlier, that's when you take that next step to winning. Learning how to win means trust. And you make the right play whether the player hits the shot or not. And that's where the Knicks have to go. And Tibbs has been talking about it, but they haven't been doing that. And listen, nobody was complaining about how they were playing when they were winning in Cleveland. Nobody was complaining about how they were playing when they were rolling the last month of the regular season. I got it. But when you aren't successful and what you do well is being taken away, that's when you have to reevaluate and see, okay, we can't do anything about it now. There's nothing they can do about this now. But when you sit down and legitimately, honestly, and, and being brutally honest, look at your team where they are right now, this has to be a consideration when you want your team to take that next step. Gerard's in Brooklyn. Gerard, talk to me on 987 ESPN. Hey, Larry. Thanks for taking my call. I'm going to make this quick because I can pick up these kids from Sunday school. Okay. Um, yeah, I mean, the eighth, the eighth seed in Miami, <laughs> I'm not going to put a big question mark around that um, because who knew Kyle Lowry and Kevin Love would be playing as good as they are? I mean, these guys have um, experience and, um, you know, they know how to bring it when, when they need to. But what I'm, what I'm really expecting is um, – for this next game is that they at least play. All the players play to their full potential. No easy baskets. I hate when I'm seeing those easy ba baskets where Kevin Love is throwing, throwing like A.A. Aaron, 
down the field, and, and you know, that frustrates me. And as long as they, you know, they make adjustments when they need to, if they're not hitting threes, make adjustments. And quick question, Eli, do you think the Knicks overachieve this, this season? Because I kind of felt they are, so I'm just kind of enjoying the ride, and I'm hoping yeah. we just take the experience and, and, and move on. And the kids are coming now, so I'll just hang up and listen. Bye-bye. All right, Gerard, have fun with your kids. Thanks for taking a couple of minutes to call me this afternoon. Um, in a sense, they did overachieve. Yeah, I would say so. Um, really, I don't think this team. I mean, we were wondering if this team was going to be a was going to be you know a playing team. We were real. I mean, we expected them to be a playing, hoping that they could maybe get in. I think what happened is the Josh Hart trade kind of lifted the team and gave them a, an extra boost and gave you more expectations with the team because of how they played and how they finished off the season. So, yeah, they did kind of overachieve. Uh, This really should be what they did last season when you think about it because the first year when Tibbs is here, all right, they they, they get to the first round, they go out into Atlanta in five. Then the next year, last year, was just a horrible year. They don't even make the play in. And this year would be what you would have hoped for last year that you go, you win a series, and you move over into another series. And that's how you gradually get better and learn how to win and your young players get the experience and so on and so forth. So they're kind of a year behind schedule based on what happened in the first year. But, yeah, they kind of overachieved. They did. Uh, But now the question is, can they salvage it? Right? Can they turn around? And once again, it's not over. And I agree with you, Gerard. If they can play their game, if they lose playing their game, then Miami's just better. And that's your deal with. Okay? During this time of the year, Miami's just better. But if you're not playing your game and you and you get wiped out, that's that's tough. That that's tougher to deal with, I think. Much tougher to deal with. More of your calls next on 987 ESPN. This is the Larry Hardesty show on 98.7 ESPN. Listen up, baseball fans. ESPN New York is giving you the chance to travel with the home team when the boys from the Bronx hit the left coast. You and the guests could catch a game and enjoy round-trip airfare, two-night hotel accommodations, and 200 bucks in spending cash. For official rules and to enter, visit the ESPN New York app and click on Travel with the Home Team. So brought to you by the engagement experts at London Jewelers. As a matter of fact, both local baseball teams in action, they will have their first pitches in about 10 minutes or so, both going for series wins. Yankees behind Gary Cole trying to take a series from the, oh, you mean they finally lost the game, Tampa Bay Rays? And the Mets, the Mets, the Mets, the Mets. We'll be venting a little baseball a little bit later. Uh, The Mets struggling offensively as they try to take a series from the Colorado Rockies. Can you believe that? They lose to the lowly Detroit Tigers and trying to take a series from the Colorado Rockies. What the F? That's, that's what I said all the time. All the time. Thank God for the Knicks. 1-800-919-3776. CJ's in White Plains. What's up, CJ? Good afternoon, Larry. Thank you for taking my call. You got it, my friend. Talk to me. Yeah, well, uh, the guy you have earlier is taking my comment, but um, the reason why I'm calling, I'm a diehard uh, Knicks fan, but I know this Knicks team, they're not beating this Miami team. You know, not only Miami have a better team, but they have a better coach. So I just don't want this Knicks team, like a Knicks fan like me, and lost to this team and get upset because they lost. I expect 
you know, next next team to lose to this Miami team because they have a better team, they have a better coach. All right, CJ, I hear what you're saying. Thanks for the phone call. I'm I I could they have a very look. Eric Spolstra's credentials are outstanding. There's no question about it. And his availability and his ability in the postseason, let's face it, he's, he's got more postseason wins than Tibbs. He's been in the postseason more. And he's learned from Pat Riley. So, I mean, he's, he's a, he is an outstanding head coach. There's no question about it. And they've made some really good adjustments. So now let's see what Tibbs can do. Okay, let's see if he can do that. And you're right from a from a from – a, three-point shooting standpoint, I will agree with you that Miami is better. But it still doesn't excuse the way the Knicks have played, especially in that last game. They they just didn't they just didn't perform the way we know they can. And yeah, part of that is defense, but part of that is just they just didn't answer the bell. It's very simple, man. They just didn't answer the bell. Lewis is in the Big Apple. What's up, Lou? Yes, how's it going? Great. I, you know, it, I'm tired of hearing that Miami's a better team. This year, it's debatable. They're a better playoff team, yes, due to the experience. But anyway, let me get let me let me get my question. Now that New York has made a statement in NBA in the in the regular postseason, I mean in the regular season, and now making a, a little statement here in the postseason, right? Do we have a chance on signing any free agents this coming up 2023 or even 2024? I know 2023 we have Kyrie, we have Harden, we have Draymond. I know Draymond's not going anywhere, but do we have a chance on signing another shooter? Because we need another shooter. Yeah, we definitely do, Lewis. Thanks for the phone call. Uh, you do. We do need another shooter, and I agree with Jamie from the Amsterdam News who we had on a couple of minutes ago. They need a 3-and-D guy, a wing who can shoot the basketball, play some defense, and be athletic. That's, that's what you need. There's not a whole lot of them around, <laughs> but that's, that, that takes you to that next level, right? That takes you to where you can be in the conversation for coming out of the East if you can do something of that nature. And then, you know, add a little bit more experience on your bench. So that, that's the next role for this team. That's what the Knicks have to do to get better with the next step. Uh, I hear what you're saying about Miami being better. I mean, it's debatable, but, but we can also debate that Miami is not an 8 seed. It's just like in 99 when the Knicks were an 8. They weren't an 8 seed either. They were a team that had some trouble, and they got well near the end. So they weren't an 8 seed. This Miami Heat team is not an 8 seed. They're not. They're better than an eight seed, and they're playing like it, okay? Uh, have things broken their way? Yes. Injuries to Giannis, so on and so forth. But nevertheless, they have taken advantage of, they have taken advantage of their situation. And they've put themselves, you know, they're just two wins away from playing for the Eastern Conference Championship again. Again. Lee's in Manhattan. What's up, Lee? Brother Larry. Hey, Lee. What's going on? Good afternoon, sir. Listen, got a quick Met comment, and then I get to my Knicks. Okay. Mets got a crazy schedule this year. We 500. I think Buck need to shake up the lineup, give a starter 
uh, one of the regulars a day off here, a day off there. But I'm not worried about the Mets. They'll get back on track at some point, mm-hmm. you know. As far as the Knicks go, as stubborn as Tibbs is, let me get your opinion on this. See how you like this. Knicks need to play like Julius is hurt, okay? Don't start him. Don't start Robinson, but start Hardenstein instead because you got Hardenstein, who's a playmaker, okay, who can pass the ball, even though we know Robinson is a better rebounder. But they need to try to run some offense through the big man, okay, because he does have that capability, you know. And considering that they will foul Robinson in a minute, we already know Hardenstein is a better foul, is a better foul shooter. Mm-hmm. In addition – the Knicks, if they get into a shooting war or three-point shooting war with Miami, they will lose every time. The Knicks have never been, and unless they get some real sharp shooters, the Knicks are not a really good three-point shooting team, and we know that. But if you believe in karma like I do, 50 years ago, we ain't got to worry about it. Knicks will find a way, hook a by crook, okay, get to the next round. Okay, everybody talking Boston and Denver. I say the Knicks and the Lakers. Mm. Always a pleasure, my friend. All right, Lee. Thanks for checking in. Knicks and Lakers. Wow. Ty Butler would be just, he would be, you couldn't talk to him. (laughs) He would be walking on cloud nine. (laughs) I got to tell you, Lee, if, 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 if Anthony Davis could think that every game was an odd number game, Lakers would be in business, boy. He plays those odd number games great. The even numbers, eh, not so much. <laughs> not so much with the even numbers. Really good with the odd numbers. He was great again last night. Defensively, led the team in scoring. He was great. He was great. Oh, I, you know what? Lee, I guess you could make that change and put Hardenstein in. Um, but I will say this. He's just he he's comparable to uh Mitchell Robinson defensively. He is an upgrade offensively, there's no question about that. He's comparable defensively, but I, I don't know if that makes I don't know if that's gonna make that much of a difference for me. You know what I mean? Um, I'm not sure I would make that move. And to be honest with you, the way Robinson has been committing fouls, I mean, Hardenstein is going to be in the game early anyway. (laughs) Because he's just, I mean, Robinson cannot stay on the floor in this series. It's crazy. It's really crazy. Jason's in the Big Apple. What's up, Jason? Hey, Larry. So, Julius Randle, I mean, I've been saying it for a long time. People try to say, oh, he's good and this and that. His his attitude, the way he plays, you're never winning with this guy. I mean, he has to be traded this offseason. What I would do is, Damian Lillard, it's time for him to come to New York City. You make a centerpiece around Randle and Picks. You bring him over, and then you move R.J. Barrett, who's too inconsistent. Once again, he has his great games. Everyone gets fooled. He's really not good. And you, you trade him with Picks for... Oh, Jananobi, who they've been rumored to, and because it's going to be a small backcourt with Lillard and Brunson. I know it's a fantasy land, but why not, right? You, you get Adenobi to play the three. You still have Josh Hart. You sign him. 
and and he can shoot a little uh, Ananobi, but that's what you do. You got to Grimes has been very disappointing in these playoffs. Quickly, who I like, very disappointing in these playoffs. I I, I trade him for the right deal. I mean, because also you have to remember cap space. They need cap space. They have. Lillard makes sixty million. Okay, RJ Barrett does not deserve thirty million, and Randall does not deserve thirty. So you got to move. You need to have some cap flexibility. You got to get rid of those two. Quickly is going to be in line for a new deal. He's going to say, "Well, RJ Barrett's getting thirty million. I'm, be- I'm better than him. I should be getting around that." So that, that's what I would do. If like you can make a Rangers point quick, I don't think Galan should have been fired. With that, set. I, I think it's the players. They don't have the right team. Jury's got to revamp this roster. I would bring in a Mark Messier. Why not? Let him, let's let see. I mean, what, what else? I mean, you know, you're going to go to Peter, Peter Laviolette, all these guys who have been around. They're recycled throughout the league. They're not good. Like, he'll be fired in two years, just like Gallant was. Try Mark Messier. Let's see what happens. And the Yan- I, uh, while I'm going, Yankees, Cashman, Boone, you're, once again, never winning with them. Boone's the worst manager in baseball. Cashman's the most overrated manager in baseball. It's a joke. I don't even watch the games anymore. There's no point. When, when you're putting out Aaron Hicks there and you got all these, I mean, overrated players, it's, it's like, what's the, you know, we know it's going to happen. And Boone, maybe Boone will be, finally be the fall guy, but uh, Cashman should go as well. It's a joke. And, and the real problem that, you know, I've always blamed Boone and Cashman. It's really Hal Steinbrenner. I mean, how does he allow this to go on? It's, it's a joke. And, well, you're right, Jason. Thanks for the phone call. And, um, you, boy, you got a lot in. So let me let me quickly uh, re- let me quickly overcycle everything for you, kind of review everything for you. Um, you're right about Cashman. He's had a tough year. These past couple of years have not been good for him. Uh, I understand everybody wants to blame the manager. Okay, I get it. Uh, but listen, Aaron Boone is just putting the players out there that he's got. So uh, it's hard for me to understand why you are willing to. You're upset that Gallant's out. But you but you want Boone to go, when both teams really need adjustment in players. Okay, so if the Rangers need adjustment in players, and it's unfair for Gallant to be out, then why would you want Boone out when it's really the adjustment of players that Cashman's put on the field? All right, so I, I'm not following that. I think I think Boone is Boone's doing the best with what he has. Okay, he doesn't have a lot to work with. He's maneuvering what he can. Uh, you. You're not trading Julius Randle for Damian Lillard and draft picks. If you don't want him, what makes you think Portland wants him? Portland is not going to get better with Julius Randle and losing Damian Lillard. They're not going to do that. They're not going to make that move. They're not going to make that move. So, you know, listen, I hear what you're saying about Randle. He's not had a great series. He is who he is. This is he's He's part of the reason why the Knicks are where they are this year. Okay? But... Uh, yeah, going forward, they have to look to make some adjustments, okay, because they have to get better. And they're looking, the way management has invested in Julius Randle, I would say unless somebody's willing to make a unbelievable deal to take him off their hands, okay, you're going to, Julius Randle's going to be with this team. They're just going to add to him. He's going to be here. 1-800-919-3776. More of your calls next on 9870 ESPN. This is the Larry Hardesty Show on 98.7 ESPN. Mets down one nothing early. <laughs> you know, we talk about, I, I can't do this too. I, I'll talk later. I can't do it. Otherwise, you'll be playing like memories and all kinds of music for me if I go on a Met rant. We'll do that a little bit later. We, we just will. I, I'm, I just can't. I just can't right now. Back to the phones. Artie's in Long Island. What's up, Artie? How are you doing? Uh, Good, Artie. Hope everything's well with you. Not bad, my friend. Talk um, to me. 
All right. Well, I waited. As I told um, the guy I spoke to, I waited to call. I waited to, to wait for this Knicks implosion because it's too many Tom Thibodeau apologists. I was going to call after last season and wonder why we haven't gotten rid of this guy yet. Okay? But the only thing I remember from the 90s with Thibodeau is him being a backup on a losing squad that didn't win anything. I don't want to bring back the 90s for, for, for a losing team that didn't win, that didn't win anything. That's how Alejandro always likes to talk about the 90s Knicks. I don't care about the 90s Knicks. I watched all of that. I lived through it. Okay? And piggybacking off the previous caller, are there any free agent coaches that we might have? You know, because I, I, I'm here watching this, and the broadcasters even, so I think it was Ben Gundy said, the Lakers can't win it all without playing with, with, with playing a defense first game plan. So how are the Knicks going to do that? We don't even have LeBron. They have LeBron and his analysts saying this. You know, we need a 2020s revamped, updated offensive system. Because what's happening is a better coach would have us up three zip. There's too many coaches to name that's better than Tibbs right now that are a more modern coach. See, Tibbs is a puppet master, and he's our greatest liability in the playoffs because he has no offensive system. He only piggybacks off defense. He never accepts so responsibility. Ardy, so, Artie, you're telling me that the Knicks have shot like 20% or less in two of the three games in this series from three, and that's Tibbs' fault or not the front office for giving you better three-point shooters' fault? Oh, no. From what I've seen this year, we have shooters. Even Toppin is shooting when he doesn't even – that's not even his forte. And he's shooting, okay? So I don't want to hear that. It's, it's on the offense because if you put these other better coaches in, we will be passing that ball and having it popping. You saw the, the interview where he said, oh, trust the pass, trust the pass. How are we trusting the pass when your whole system revolves around iso ball? You now you because it's the playoffs. You want them trusting the pass. You didn't have them playing this way all year. Now you want them to trust the passes. He never accepts responsibility. Okay, I don't like that. Okay, even winning coaches, championship winning coaches, they'll come to the press conference after after a loss and they'll say, yeah, yeah, it's on us and the coaching staff. We got to bring in a better game plan and we'll watch the tape. And he never says that. He always puts it on the players. Okay, and I don't like that. Okay, I want him on a hot seat. Brunson is a baby Luca. Iso, Iso, Iso. Okay, Randall, Randall, Iso, Iso. Barry, he shouldn't even be a Nick. He's like the fourth best Canadian player in the NBA. But, once again, that's not Tom Thibodeau. Thanks for the phone call. Tom Thibodeau didn't pick this team. (laughs) He's coaching the team. So, if you got got issues with the fact that they have R.J. Barrett, who shouldn't be on the team, he was drafted third, so, you know, they, they got him in the draft. If you're upset about Julius Randle and the pieces on the team, that's not Thibodeau. If you're telling – and you can't be – look, they're shooting 20%. So for you to say that they have – they don't have great three-point shooters, are they? They just don't. Have they shot better during the year? Yeah, they shot better during the year in stretches because they were, they were hitting threes like in transition. And, yes, Obi Toppin has hit some threes – but you wouldn't consider him, if you look at his average for the year, you wouldn't consider him a successful three-point shooter. He's not. They've hit threes, but not consistently because they're not a really good three-point shooting team. 
Now, yeah, if you're telling me that Tibbs' offense is archaic and stuff like that, yeah, we can have that conversation. Absolutely. Is, is, is it ISO ball? Or what? Yes, it's been ISO ball, but it's been ISO ball with Brunson in a way to try to get other people involved. He draws the attention, and then Brunson dishes the ball out. Can you say, should he dish the ball out more? Maybe so. Perhaps he should. Okay? that That's a different conversation. But you can't sit here and tell me that the the 20% that the Knicks have shot over the first, over the two of the three games in the series from three is on Thibodeau. It's not. They're just not a three, good three-point shooting team. And what Alan Hahn is talking about when he talks about the Knicks of the 90s, no, they did not. And I've made the same analogy over the years, okay? No, they did not win. And we talk about those 90 teams, 90s teams sometimes like they did win championships. But it's because we were a Knicks fan base that before this year, was craving relevancy. This was a Nick team. This was a Nick franchise that lost less, that won less than 20 games in a season. This is a Nick team that this year has got a win in the second round for the first time in a decade. So that's why you hear the conversations about the Knicks of the 90s. Not that they were such a great and just brilliant franchise back then that consistently lost to either Indiana or Chicago or sometimes Miami. No, that's not why we talk. We talk about that because that was a franchise that at least had sustainable success, that at least you had faith in to say, gosh, at least we got a shot. Maybe this is our year. Maybe we'll do it this year. Maybe Ewing will show up and hit big in in games. Maybe John Starks will hit that three. Maybe Derek Harper will get that basket. Maybe we'll be able to do something with Chicago. That's what the 90s are to a Knicks fan. No, it's it's also as disappointing as anything else (laughs) because of the frustration of not getting over the hump, because of the frustration of not getting to that championship, because even – when Jordan was out, you ended up losing in seven games to the Houston Rockets when you should have beaten that team. So, no, I get you. I get why you don't want to keep hearing about the 90s Knicks. I get it. But that's why Allen mentions the 90s Knicks. That's why I mentioned the 90s Knicks. Because at least that team had an identity. That team had knew how to win games. That team was a hard, scrapping team. They hustled. They dove for loose balls. They knew they weren't as talented as some of the other teams in the league, but you weren't coming in and just walking over that team. And that team kind of, in a way, in some respects, kind of identifies what New Yorkers are. From a basketball standpoint, that's that's what we that's kind of how we like to play. Scrappy, dominant, want to be physical, want to you can't stop us, want to show what we can do. So that's that's where we're talking about '90s Knicks. No, we don't. We don't want the '90s Knicks. We don't want. We want to win. <laughs> we're trying to win some games. We want a title. They got one title in forty years. Forty. Ugh. Bad memories of those '90s Knicks. Bad, bad. Some good, mostly bad. When we return, we'll continue our conversation on the Knicks. We'll talk a little Jets. We'll talk a little baseball. We have a lot to do before we leave you at 3 o'clock and begin our coverage of the NBA playoffs on 98.7 ESPN.